This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Will you stop that so I can start the damn okay, show? Okay, I'm just, just I'm checking to make sure that it got I, it was speeding, and you know, like that's a professional way of doing that. Shake them ropes. Use code ROPES. Get 50% more on your initial deposit. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, a first in the was it six years of Shake Them Ropes. For the first time ever, we will be discussing Impact Wrestling. Unreal. But uh, I think this was the week, Chris. It's not I the w- first time I've discussed Impact <laughs> Wrestling because, you know, I'm a bit of a trendsetter here. On the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, when none of you wanted to touch Impact with a 10-foot pole, who was there in the trenches doing the work, Hawkins? Oh, no, no, no. Continue this therapy session where you're yelling at our audience, please. No, this is important. You're supposed to vindicate me by saying, it was you, Nov. And I'd go, yes, it was. Stipulation was there covering Impact Wrestling when it was still TNA. Yes, your your first podcast endeavor on the network correct yeah yeah uh what happened to that um the <laughs> co-host had a drinking problem and so we stopped making the show yeah what are you doing what? are you throwing your host under the bus really is he still I, with we haven't voices? been in touch in years he became a bit of a problem drinker oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah and I, this is someone i had to x out of my life uh but yeah that, that's what happened to that show <laughs> i'm sorry i asked Oh, first rule of law school, never ask a question you don't already know the answer to, Hawkins. Uh, First rule of radio is always be truthful with your audience. (laughs) Well, enough of the the jibber-jabber. Big week. Soft banter to open the show. That was not soft banter. Uh, (laughs) Jeez. Uh, AEW 995,000 viewers, .45 in the 18 to 49 demo, second on the night. NXT 659,000 views, 0.17 in the 18 to 49 demo, 37th on the night. Uh, the follow-up, it appears, was uh, impressive. And I'm, I'm going to say this. I think NXT is in real trouble. I do. And I would not. Here's my shot I'm going to call, Chris, and see if you agree with this. Okay. All right. I think by the time WrestleMania comes, that. NXT will be a third main roster brand with main roster wrestlers on it and that people are seasoned across the three brands. Interesting. And so that will be Vince's last ditch effort to compete against AEW by just making it a pure main roster vehicle. I think February sweeps are going to come and go. I think they're going to get waxed probably. Absolutely. Because this show is turning into, as we've we've said here, main roster with yellow ropes. 
and the storytelling is lacking. And it, it's lost the magic, and, and it's weird because you you have pieces that work. We'll we'll get into the kind of blow by blow of this week's show here in a bit, but um, and I'll rant it, and the, I will rant a bit because I think dude, a lot of it has like, to do with the storytelling. To be honest with you, the top line for me is that the sum is less than the individual parts. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would, but I, I just think uh, I think this company is stubborn. I think they're not going to want to go out quietly like that. I don't think, uh, no matter what they say, them being happy with this, because it's just a developmental brand. Clown knows on, clown knows off. Whenever they're winning, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a part of the company. When they're not, it, it's, that, it's that dirty little secret you keep in the closet all of a sudden. Yeah. The best thing I can say about the NXT brand's function for WWE is that it's keeping talent from being on AEW and really kicking this company's ass because AEW, some of the talent on the roster is shaky. And if you had guys like Kyle O'Reilly or even like Danny Birch over there to augment up the AEW roster more, WWE would be just getting wiped off the face of the planet right now. Uh, so the best thing that NXT is probably doing for this company is doling out contracts to keep them from being with the competitor. Maybe, but I, I see a lot in the competitor in, in, in this whole thing as we don't want to be, they view the part of the impact mistake as bringing in guys from WWE and pushing them too hard. So I, I could just see them going, well, you know, it's great. You're they our just friends. got done pushing Moxley. Yeah, I know. I, there are exceptions to be made, Chris. I'm not saying that there aren't. I'm just saying on the whole, I, I think they don't want to be, you know, I, I, I think that now their roster is so big in AEW, they don't want to be bringing in more and more guys who come from NXT or WWE or maybe even Impact in some ways. Um because it's like, well, then what about us? What about us uh, who are already here on the roster type thing? And then you start getting problems. Yeah, no, I, they are quickly running into a situation where, like, they need to have Dark be more prominent. Or, I, like, they might need to actually run story through Dark in a more meaningful way. Because um, it's like the two hours of Dynamite is not enough to feed all the mouths that they need to feed on that roster. Uh, but at the same time, dude, I'm just saying, Kyle O'Reilly is, I, I guess you can think of him as an NXT guy. I think of him still as, like, the former Ring of Honor champion. Uh, kind of ditto with Adam Cole. Like, these are guys who have pedigrees on the indies. Mm -hmm. The other big news coming out of this week, uh, Kenny Omega shows up on uh, Impact Wrestling, as previously said. Uh, online, it looked to get around at, at its peak uh, 60 to 70,000 viewers, and on TV, 100,000 viewers. I don't have those numbers in front of me. I might be wrong on that. Still a big deal. Looks like Kenny Omega will be top-lining at least one Impact pay-per-view um, from what they're saying or what they're hinting here. Uh, did you get a chance to see the On the Bus interview? Yeah, I did get a chance to see the on the bus interview. Um, I think Don Callis is doing a really good job here, and I think he's kind of the glue that is holding this act together. I don't necessarily like the Sting, or I'm sorry, uh, the Bachwinkle and Heenan comparisons. Uh, when I'm thinking about Callis and Omega, I think of it more like 
Cornette augmenting for Stan Lane when Stan Lane was first trying to do like a solo run like in the early to mid 90s where he had like the announcer's voice but if you let Stan Lane talk for too long the promo wasn't very good it's kind of how I feel about Kenny Omega and I feel like Don Callis is doing a good job gluing this all together um and I'm curious if you know this off of top of your head uh like what are impacts normal online viewership as compared to this week like how much of a needle mover was kenny i know he was some degree of a needle mover i'm just wondering if there's a quantification of like how many thousands of people he drew onto the product i believe it was at least 100 percent growth online okay that's not bad yeah uh i don't know offhand though i didn't i don't have that on to your point I'm going to go a little bit different. I, lo- I love Don Callis. Love him here. He's focused. He has motivation. I'm going to judge it kind of on the acting performance of it. I thought his promo on that bus was great. I've been planning this for years. Here's the history. Here's the backstory. Uh, I, I, too, have a little bit of an issue with Kenny, but I was trying to figure it out without going. Look, I've been hard on Kenny Omega on this podcast because... I, I just, I wasn't sure if it's a lack of focus or not, but I, I found my comparison point. Let me, let me throw this at you. It's a lot like when in WWE before she left Becky Lynch playing the man. And when you watched Becky Lynch doing that, where she's really trying to, you know, kind of be smart Alec and when she's reacting, and, oh, ho, ho, and, you know, kind of playing it up a bit. You don't the, really the believe- second run. The second, yes. not the first one when she was really tough, but like the second run where when she it became felt kind champ. Of like a, when she became yeah. champ, and she was and she was trying to play it up as being championship heft, and you could tell that she wasn't as grounded in it, and she was kind of, and it wasn't the real her, and you're kind of watching her go through these promos to kind of be entertaining, and you just really kind of, there was something missing there. It's the same way I kind of feel with Kenny here. I, I liked I liked the night uh, night two. I liked the AEW one more because I think he had more of the championship look to it as well. I just, I thought, you know, when he started the promo, you know, I collect comic books or I used to collect comic books. I'm just, you know, you're kind of like, uh, okay. I mean, I understood the point of it. I think they're going with the... uh Almost the I'm going to collect dragon. all the belts, but no, to yeah. your point, like Ric Flair would never be like, you know, me and Gene, I used to collect comic yeah, books. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm hardcore trying not to go, you know, back in the old school, the money meant something. They were really trying, but at the same time, you're like, I collect things would have been better than, you know, I, co- I mean, you're trying to give into that geek culture at the same time because it's so big right now, but I just, I, there was... There's something in delivery. It was almost like Emo Phillips delivering a joke for me as well. And I'm kind of like, you know, the up and down cadence, which kind of, you know, that kind of thing. And I was trying to decide what is it about this performance that's not clicking with me rather than the content, you know, just, just kind of the tone. But Callus is enough. I think for this act. Yeah. He's enough to make this act work at least for a while here. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm kind of with you. I don't, I'm not, dude, I would never say like, Kenny's not like past his prime or anything like that. That's, that's definitely not where I'm And going I don't want him comment. to be Ric Flair. I don't want Kenny to be Ric Flair. So no, so I, don't. I don't, I don't want that either, but I do feel like he, 
I don't know that his matches have ever super clicked for me. Like, I don't dislike him, but, like, I also, like, the, you and I have kind of had the same sort of, like, lukewarm feeling on him. So I'm trying to calibrate that against that part of how I feel about Omega. You know, you know what it might be? And it's, this is just something that popped up in my head is that this cleaner character from New Japan and stuff, it's, and the seven star match guy. He's so good. It's the self-referential crap. That's the thing that oh, like I you? think is driving okay. me. Yeah, that I, I like I get that part of that's the schmarm gimmick, but like there's another part of that where I think he legitimately likes hearing all that stuff rattled off. Okay, because for me it's you take that and what he's trying to portray is he's so good he doesn't care about any of this kind of thing. And instead it's more coming off as nihilism and not being focused does that make sense like okay, no fle- no no it does no but flesh it out I, I'm, I'm open okay to it. Like, yeah. like like how does I it come off as nihilism well not, not not nihilism on screen but rather him being nihilistic about the whole thing where he's trying to play he's trying to play disaffected and okay, so disaffected he doesn't care hard. about the title. It's bringing the title down. The, no, the title is just the, the title is just an afterthought. The title is yeah. I mean, at least not the AEW title. He has the AEW title. Like any other title is an afterthought. I'm the best. I'm the guy everybody gives platitudes to. Of course, I was going to get this title. I'll take any title I want. I'll go into any federation and take any title I want. I am the best. That kind of thing. And instead, he's kind of playing it as. Well, of course it's an afterthought. Look at me. I'm here. I'm the best. I have all these great matches. Why well, that's, would I... I think the other thing that is leaving me a little cold on this program, which okay. is that like the match last week, the closing stretch of it was good, but if you go and do a rewatch of it, you'll be like bombarded with the tease of we're going into picture in picture throughout the first half of the match which lets you know that like you don't really have to pay too close attention during the first half of the match. The picture in picture thing's a huge momentum killer. And like they're trying to play this up as though it's the Montreal screw job and that moment with the microphone does not have anywhere near the same sort of iconic heft as Vince McMahon waving at the timekeeper and like telling the referee to ring the bell and everything like that. Like, like there's, that was not a Montreal screw job moment last week. And and it feels, it feels a little forced on that front. I would agree. We'll talk more about this as we uh, go into AEW, I guess Uh, more news. Tom tiny Lister, AKA Zeus passed away uh, last night, I believe. Maybe two nights ago. Uh, no, it was last night. Um, yeah, just character actor with over 220 credits to his name. He worked in everything. A lot of people know him from Friday. A lot of people know him from No Holds Barred, <laughs> which is why they brought him into WCW. Uh, to get a win over Stan Hansen, by the way. Uh, <laughs> which is amazing <laughs> on its own front. Uh, How did they get Hansen to agree to that? I don't know. I, I don't even remember the match. I, just, I saw it and I went, oh, I think that happened. Uh, Man. Personal favorite of mine. He has a small role in a Walter Hill movie called Extreme Prejudice as Monday, an enforcer for Powers Booth, so-called because he's on Monday Night Football. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I hurt my leg. Looks like you hurt your head. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, people loved him as Debo in, uh, Friday. 
but you know, if you ever had a bully character or anything like that, I also remember him from one of the first HBO shows called First and Ten. Of course, playing a football player because he was a former football player. But uh, always a presence, but not a great, a better actor than he was a wrestler, in my opinion. That happens sometimes. Uh, I, I mean, is he like, gangster and. <laughs> You well, you so like wrestling is is weird. Like you have to have the body, yes, and you have to have the charismatic chops of it. Don't necessarily have to be acting, but you have to have enough charisma to like get over on the microphone and, and carry that front. And then the other part of it is actually like n- not having happy feet when you're running off the ropes, and you know making all of the moves in the ring look good. And uh, not everyone has all of those different components. Yeah, I but. Uh... Boy, did I. <laughs> he was always a welcome presence in movies for me. I, I, I love the guy. Uh, I'm, I'm sad that he passed away at the uh, age of, I believe, 62. Um, Man. Still relatively young. Yeah, young. Um, also passing away, Texas world-class global mainstay Stephen Dane, who I remember doing preliminary matches in the uh, mid-'90s for, for WWF. Um Mostly pushed in global, I, if I recall correctly. I think he held like a secondary title in global. Global. Uh, you're a Texas guy. Do you have any uh, Stephen Dane memories, or should we move on? He was uh, he was one of the Casey's, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's the younger of the Casey brothers. I just remember the Casey's getting squashed a bunch. Yeah, Steve Casey and uh, who's the older Casey that looked like Ron Bass? Scott Casey. Scott Casey. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve yeah Scott Scott. Scott Casey looked like Ron Bass. Uh, Steven, Steve Casey, AKA Steven Dane looked like a uh, bootleg Stan Lane from the fabulous ones. Cause he had, he had the bleach blonde hair that didn't quite go all the way down to the roots cause the roots would grow out. And then he had like the, 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 uh, he had, he had a dark beard. That makes beard the look that, like, and, like with a certain gimmick that really makes the look though. Yeah. It's, like, you know, it's the Rip Rogers look, the, uh, uh, uh Steve Kern had the look at one point. Yeah. It, it's, uh. It's what we like to call scuzzy, I think. Um, I like some scuzz in my wrestling. I'm I into scuzzy. Too. You know, wrestling should be a little bit scuzzy, but not completely scuzzy. No, 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 no. But like, yeah, I, yeah. There's, there's a, a little bit's good. News coming out of WWE, or at least a rumor. WWE Chairman Vince McMahon recently, quote unquote, threw a fit about the working ability of certain mo- main roster talent, according some according to some in his crosshairs to do additional training at the performance center. Uh, <laughs> we're of the larger variety. This is PW insider, Mike Johnson reporting this, uh, Keith Lee, Otis, Dabo Cato, Dio Madden, and Omus, who is AJ Styles bodyguard are among those who are taking classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays with Adam Pierce and drew Gulak. Arturo Huas was another wrestler that is believed to need additional work, but he is currently injured. Keith so, Lee needs to go to extra training at the age of 36. It couldn't possibly be that they don't understand how to utilize Keith Lee. And because they I, only know one. <laughs> they have square peg. I have this square peg. Can I fit in this round hole? No. Well, then make the hole square so that I can make it... <laughs> I, well, okay, so like you have you have here clearly like two different groups of people. You have tall, raw guys like Omus and I think to a lesser extent Davicato, um, and to a lesser extent Dio Madden, 
um, who still need to like learn how to work big. Um, it's not clear to me that Adam Pierce or Drew Gulak love Drew Gulak. I don't know that Drew Gulak's the guy you go to to learn how to work big. Um, that doesn't strike me as his skill set. Um, but then you have with Otis and Keith Lee, two guys who Vince just thinks are fat. Um, which is why he's making Otis lose all the weight right now and trying to take away kind of what made Otis Otis. And also why he originally pigeonholed Otis with the you're the fat guy gimmick rather than you're the powerhouse gimmick. Um, and like really kind of leaning into that. With Keith Lee, I think he knew that Lee was too well respected to get away with doing that. And also Lee is too athletic to fully deny that. But Vince also does not like looking at Keith Lee because he thinks that Keith Lee could be skinnier. That was obvious from when he debuted with that gear. And to me, at least, and to me, it's like you watch him work on the main roster and it's almost a 180. I won't go 180, but it's at least 163 from what he was doing in NXT with the Adam Coles and stuff. It's just, to me, it's, it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of looking at Keith Lee and going, he should work like a big man instead of doing all this graceful crap that he does. His words in my thinking, not my words. I, I like Keith Lee. Yeah, uh, no, I think mean, <laughs> Keith Lee's great. Oh, Jeff Hawkins thinks that Keith Lee stinks. No, 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 sir. But also just the very fact that they blew his debut. I mean... And this is twice now, because the time to debut Keith Lee was after the Royal Rumble, or even after Survivor Series last year, when he had that great shine in that match, or when he went one-on-one with Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Instead, they bring him in for this to be kind of the third wheel in the Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton feud. And then it was kind of like, well, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy type thing? And then he loses steam because you keep beating him over and over again. And then Vince blames it on, obviously, it's the way he works. And and I could see that happening, too. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and I think kind of the broader trend here, pulling the camera back a little bit further, you see this with Rhea Ripley, too. It's like this company does not understand how to use the, which is, it's so paradoxical because Vince is obsessed with big people. He does not know how to use any of his actual, like, monster-sized talent. You could throw Braun Strowman to the mix there, too. That guy's been, like, just... That guy has slowly been dropping in stature over the last two years, and it's really been kind of crazy to see. It's it's something that they do. They, they Yes, you fall in love with the big guys or tall women, and then you push them and you push them and you push them, but you don't want to pull the trigger on them just yet. And then you have no idea what to do with him. That's Braun Strowman right now. That's, yeah, that, that's, it's, we push him and it's like, well, we can't beat this person. We don't want to put the belt on him just yet because we don't know. And <laughs> let's take the time, let's, let's put this title on him and then take it off of him and see how he reacts. You know, all these little dumb games that they play with talent and then they don't know how to heat somebody up once they beat him. And it's like, it's a and so they just decide to go with someone new while at the same time liking this person it's very weird we'll talk more again about Rhea Ripley when we get into NXT because I got a rant I got a rant a little about that women's division but uh the other note I wanted to put on here was 
Why would you want Arturo Huas to be anything other than what Arturo Huas is, which is a killer? I love this guy. Like, like I, th- this guy, the gimmick to me is so kind of obvious. Uh, and Vince has done this before. He, You give this guy the Ken Shamrock 96-97 gimmick. Where, like, who else comes out, has cool kind of MMA-ish matches, and snaps. Um, and you get over that this guy can, you know, toss around the referees, and, and this guy's a murderer. Um, and this guy, it, it, the total destruction tagline or whatever. That, that's all you have to do with him. He, he he doesn't need to learn where the Howard camera is. Uh, neither does Keith Lee or Otis or any of those other people down there, um, obviously. Like, who else just needs to go out and be who he is? Zia Lee, same way. She doesn't need to dance. She just needs to kick people. Same thing with Boa. Uh, more on that, kind of. Uh, the WWE has uh, submitted a trademark for the name Karen Kwan. I believe this will be Karen Q when she comes back. I also think it might be the woman under the hood. I think that's a pretty solid, educated guess. I don't. Which you know, is going to be fascinating because Karen Kwan to me plays over-the-top, funny, very, very well. I don't know how she's going to be with Sirius, but I'm kind of intrigued by it. I mean, like, I, do we want to talk about that angle right now, or are we going to no. wait until we get to No, no okay. I don't think so, we want to talk about the on. angle, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> CM Punk was on Renee Paquette's podcast, talking about uh, almost coming to AEW, and what would it take for another match and stuff, and it's it had to be a compelling story, and it would have to take a lot of money. Oh, so he's going to be going to AEW at some point. I don't man, think so. They, oh, I don't know, man. The time I, they've I think, done that was at the beginning. I think that time why? has passed. Why? Would that, they, they just brought in Sting. Like, like I don't, I don't understand why the time to have done that is in the beginning. I, especially if WWE is going to try to push this into another gear. The guy to deliver the knockout blow on Wednesday night would totally be CM Punk. Maybe. I I just see it as they need to build their own stars, and they've already brought back Sting. They've already brought in all these other, for lack of a better term, people, well, I'm not going to say retreads, but people have been elsewhere to kind of build up. Moxley, on his own, is from the competition. He's that statement against WWE. The time to have done this was would be at the beginning for the main splash. I actually think Punk is holding out for a WWE WrestleMania main event. Because that was always his goal. And then he could just retire and get one of those great Legends deals or whatever. I, I don't... The way he was kind of playing with it, I, I just... It, it seems like he kind of... It, it's almost like he wants to be a tease rather than want to be taken seriously. And I don't mean that as derogatorily as it sounds. It just sounds like, you know what, I'd like to be, uh, I'd like to be asked once in a while. I'm going to say no, but I'd like to be asked once in a while. That kind of thing. Maybe. I'm just saying. I, I don't think that there's any reason why AEW should stop using these occasional hot shots. I think things like Shaquille O'Neal and Sting and, to a lesser extent, Chris Jericho, um, all these hot shot, you know... Like the guys the San Antonio Spurs add on to their bench when they go into the playoffs who have like just a little bit of tread left on their tires, but it's enough to get you somewhere. Um, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think if AEW can get those sorts of things to get eyeballs on the product, 
Um, that's a good thing. Uh, and I think there's a lot of intrigue in a CM Punk versus Kenny Omega angle. Uh, that's honestly probably like that might be one of the most interesting things that Kenny could do for my my taste. I'd like to um, see his but- reaction to a Punk promo. Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. I, I think that would get eyes on the pro on, on the product. Um, but Punk versus Cody would be interesting. Um, a Punk versus uh, he wouldn't have a match against just Dustin or like a few with just Dustin. Um, but like, th- there's a lot of matchups for Punk in AEW that I think would draw additional new eyes on the product and eyes away from a kind of stale WWE product. Thunderdome for the first night tonight was at Tropicana. The award-winning Thunderdome. The award, yes, the award. What awards did it win? It won the Quality Award <laughs> of Continuing Excellence. <laughs> yes, the Award of Continuing Excellence, as sponsored by the Human Fund. No, the the Capital Wrestling Center every year has oh, the Quality right, yes, the Award Wrestling of Continuing Center. Excellence. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about this award ceremony held. Yeah. The old QCE. You know, held in Rio de Janeiro um, in honor of Pat Patterson's Intercontinental title win. Uh, I was yeah. there. It was great. I, I shouldn't <laughs> have flown. I should, like, I, there was no reason for me to fly this year, but I still went. Uh, I didn't notice any difference in it being at a baseball stadium versus being at a basketball arena. They didn't seem to make any difference to it. I don't know. It was so obfuscated by the Zoom heads that I couldn't really tell that there was a real venue difference. Like I knew that they were at the Tropicana field because they mentioned the trop a whole bunch, but uh, I didn't actually feel as though I had been transported to a different place. Some people backstage at WWE, Vince are upset with Snoop Dogg appearing in AEW. Snoop doesn't have a contract. He can do what he wants and he has a show on TNT. This is what we call cross promotion kids. I think it's a terrible betrayal of the <laughs> WWE brand by Snoop Dizzle. And I hope that when he smokes one tonight that he really reflects on what he's done. He is apparently going to do some color commentary on uh, on Dynamite. I know what color it is. <laughs> uh, you can look up YouTube of him doing commentary on hockey games because he is a Kings season ticket holder. Uh, but on, on a serious note, uh, I think he'll be better than Jericho. (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) Actually, he'll be better than the chemistry in that booth on some weeks too. Yes. yes. Um, but also people enjoy Snoop Dogg doing commentary on things. And that goes back to him doing commentary on animal films and other things like that. So there is a certain, the internet might like this a whole lot quality to Snoop Dogg calling wrestling that if he gets if they get good takes out of him or they get a good clip out of him and like he really kind of nails the call on a match uh I think that this could be one of those things that like pops good numbers for them at least in terms of online engagement he might make a great call on a match or he might drop something on tv that shouldn't be on tv I right, yeah I'm no here for uh, that yeah, no, I, I also, yeah, like that's the thing that a lot of us have been feeling has been missing from wrestling, which is the F bombs. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not just F bombs, right? Like, it's like, oh, you can't do that on the television. The element of danger is yeah. not there anymore. You know, you, right. you get the occasional swear word here and there, but it's like, oh, look at us, we're being naughty. You know, there's no real 
danger to the it. The thing that's the most tedious, the swear words, is the, like, walking buildup. Where, like, Kevin Owens will be, like, looking at Roman Reigns. And he'll be like, I know that you're just a little... And then he builds up to the swear word. Like, it's that <laughs> long pause that I'm just like, really? Where okay, I know what you're about to say. You know, and you said it. Good for you. Uh, per John Pollock and Voices of Wrestling's own Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics, WWE NXT is going to be starting in India with a new show in January on the network and going on to linear TV in India. I don't think we'll be covering that, Chris. I just, I don't have the time for yet another NXT that might have good wrestling to it, but just doesn't matter and is only for the home country. But Jinder Mahal I, is going to be their champ. Yeah, Jinder Mahal <laughs> is going to be the champ. Yeah, no, I, I think like, there's not not a doubt in my mind. Um, But then they'll also use that as a vehicle to build up. Maybe the people. Singh brothers go over there and... I, you know, so... I watch WWE's broadcasts a lot of times on Indian networks uh, because of my cable provider, Nefarious Means. And they get pretty good treatment on those television networks in terms of like ad packages. Like WWE is treated like a big deal over there. Um, and there are over a billion people in India, and WWE has a fan base over there in India. Um, so, you know, I think it's a good development for WWE's business um, as Vince is winding down his career. I, I Like, it's just weird because domestically, WWE is really kind of trending in the wrong direction. I still think that there are emerging markets um, that they can expand into, uh, that they can actually experience growth, in, and India is one of them. And injuries coming out of war games. Bobby Fish tore a tricep when uh, his elbow hit a part of the exposed cage and punctured him. Uh, Dakota Kai looks to be on the on the fence for a little while, or on the shelf, not on the fence. On the fence means you're making a decision. On the it's shelf a hard means place you're to going sit for, a too for a while. Look, I, I get my cliches right here, Chris. Uh, and uh, Candice LeRae, obviously sporting that uh, cast from the broken arm. I knew something was wrong during that match where when uh, when Shotzi went up to the ladder and she's like pointing at where to land uh, <laughs> on her pretty much. Um, so we'll get into the war games talk in a second. Let, let's uh, let's thank our sponsor real quick here uh, with my bookie. It's the most wonderful time of a year that just can't end soon enough. And we all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket, and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is MyBookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports, and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. It's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And in MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winner bet with the best, bet with MyBookie. And yes, Chris, the presidential prop bets are still up there. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I, I, what are the odds of the Supreme Court challenges? Uh, you know, I, there, there was one there, there, I was looking at, uh, is it too late to get on there. this Texas one? 
No, they no, they didn't have those. They had some, but they had something that like blew me away that you could bet at this time of year, and I just went what? But uh, I can't remember it offhand. Uh, celebrity deaths, who will die first? That's always an interesting prop bet that I like. Um, we thank my bookie for their sponsorship, and I'm gonna get away from this before we go even morbid or <laughs> more political. <laughs> No, but we really do appreciate my bookie for yes. their sponsorship. Go and check out their offer that they have right now. What is it again, Jeff? It's promo code ROPES. Get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. All right. War games postmortem ice cold takes as we do here when we do a <laughs> we do a preview like the like and like 8 days go in between it seems, but uh let's start with the non-war games matches first. Uh, the North American title match, I liked. I just didn't understand. They did the big comeback spot for Leon Ruff as a transition. And I just went, what? And it was a transition into having six other <laughs> ghost face killers up there. <laughs> I thought for certain that after they hit Damian Priest with the pipe, I thought Johnny was going to get hit with the pipe by one of them. And it was going to be that Leon Ruff was the big mastermind this whole time. Didn't get that. Johnny Gargano is your NXT North American title winner. I, I just thought Leon Ruff needed the win more than anybody. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think Leon Ruff needed the win. Uh, then you can have, you could have had Johnny and Priest square off. Johnny's prevails over Priest and then continues chasing after Ruff and then eventually defeats Ruff. Like, this doesn't have to be a long, or it didn't have to be a long Ruff title reign, but I think he needed something more than that. Uh, this character never really got off the ground you didn't even really feel bad for him in defeat. Um, putting him in this triple threat made him not even get to suffer from the agony of defeat because there were so many other things going on during the course of this match. I feel really bad for this guy uh, because this was total goober on-screen treatment and it didn't have to be. Yeah, we'll get into the, what the follow-up was when we get into NXT. Uh, the... The strap match I thought was fine between Cameron Grimes and uh, Dexter Loomis. Oh, like, look, you know what's funny about this is, like, Loomis is not someone I'm super excited about, but, like, Grimes and Loomis have good chemistry. Like, I, mm -hmm. I get why backstage people are like, no, let's let this thing kind of burn on a little bit longer. Like, they're fun, dude. Um, I thought this was a fun match. Yeah. Like, it, it, it wasn't anything special. It wasn't, like, a revelation. We didn't change wrestling here during the course of this match, but... I had a good time. Cameron Grimes is fun. Super happy they did not do the four slaps of the corners uh, for the strap match. That was a straight... Look, it, there's always the chicanery involved with the heel and putting on the strap and trying to sucker punch the baby face. You know, those are just wrestling tropes, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, this was good. I really liked Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Oh man, that was also really good. Uh, the, this the purity is, of just having a one-on-one -on -one yeah. contest with no weapons, no stipulations, no interference. I liked it, Chris. It was it was a refreshing change from what NXT has become to me. Yeah, it was a good, solid, rough and rugged wrestling match. I, I thought the ear burst. 
made uh, that match that much yes. better. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, when you get a, like, especially something like an ear, um, at what point do referees and officials backstage make a call to stop a match to save an ear so that the ear doesn't come off? Like, you and I both, of course, enjoy, like, Vader and Cactus Jack and, like, all that stuff. But, like, in the modern era, we probably don't need to be losing ears willy-nilly during a match. And I, I remember a commentary saying that Thatcher had, like, five stitches. Like, how busted up does an ear have to get in your book before they stop a match? Uh, Chris, you will recall that Cactus Jack actually lost an ear in a match against Vader in yeah. Germany in WCW. Yeah. And it didn't stop the match. I think we're at that point. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, but cauliflower ears, you're not in danger of losing the ear. That It's just there's a blood pocket that is built up due to all the rubbing that you've done on the mat and in headlocks and, and all those other things. I don't think you're in now I'm going to get a message from a doctor. No, you can lose an ear if it's cauliflower. Uh, I, I'm not aware of being in danger of losing the ear, but I figure these guys know their (laughs) appendages well enough to describe the situation. Yeah, 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 for sure. Where for it's sure. like, okay, if this happens, I'm in real trouble. We got to go home. I'm going to put this ear on ice, and we're rushing to the emergency room. I, I think I think it's one of those things where if it happens, guys will be cognitive enough to know when to call it, or a referee will call it. Uh, I, I don't think we're ever going to see another lost appendage again unless it's accidental. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I just uh, I that was a conversation point for me coming out of this match. I love this match. I, I and I don't think that they should have stopped this match or anything like that. I just I was curious uh, where you came down on uh, when when is when is when because like, yeah, you don't want I, I just it seems senseless to me like lose an ear Cactus Jack style. For me, WWE has become a company that has its referees talking way too much to the people. Dude, I hate how much they check in. It's and like, check in and think, yes. It's so it's, obvious. I, I I get it. I get why. But at the same time, they're also ordered to like, you know, ooh, let's take a time out here and clean up the blood and stuff like that. And it takes me out of the match. Whereas there, there was a moment, I forgot if it was this match or another match, where... Somebody got hurt, and then somebody just kind of pushed the referee out of the way and kept going with it in a WWE match, and I was shocked by it. I'm <laughs> just like, that never happens anymore, and that's what should be happening. This is a one-on-one contest where people are trying to inca- incapacitate people. Yes, that's what I want, but yes, the, the referee talk, because they have earpieces, and they're always given time cues, and because the matches are set up so... But it lacks so much subtlety to now where they like actually someone will be like Tommaso Chavo will be on the ground. Referee will kneel down next to him. Like it's just, it's too much. It's too much. And now we get to the war games matches and I liked both war games matches. I did not love both war games matches. And I'll I'll tell you why, Chris, I, I think really for the psychology of the match, these weapons that everybody's bringing in for plunder and things of that nature. It has to be part of the psychology now or the build in terms of 
in terms of teams strategizing, okay, how are we going to use this here? How are we going to use this here in the actual buildup to the match versus the match itself? It throws like you're talking about the tables here. Tables, I, I'm, ladders, I'm with you. chairs. No, they had labeled. They had labeled tables. Jeff, I want to see and them was, prepping those tables, Chris. There was no rhyme or reason to them. It was I couldn't divine a coherent strategy. Like, why did Pat McAfee need to put all four members of the Undisputed Era through each individual table? Or like, what? Well, how is that the strat? The greater strategy of the match was in in their mind. Was it going to finish off with each member of for the brand putting a member of Undisputed Era? Like. I didn't have a vision for what McAfee's grand finale was there. Get to the men's match in a second. I want to kind of concentrate on the women first. We talked last week about the psychology and how they were going to get around having the baby faces have the advantage. The strategy was the first half of the match, they were going to put over on commentary how dominant a force Raquel Gonzalez was against these women. And I did enjoy Dakota and and Raquel working together. I thought that was a lot of fun. The second half of the match, the advantage was scored by keeping Io Shirai out of the cage until she does (laughs) the fantastic, I'm crazy, and puts on a trash can and jumps on people. Uh, I loved Dakota Kai in this match. Dakota Kai was this year's Kaylee Ray for me. If you needed a big spot or somebody to take a lot of damage, Kate, uh, Dakota Kai was your woman. I thought she was great in this. I thought she's even, a tough little cookie, man. Oh, I, man, I she enjoy was getting her knocked out all over the place. And you're just like, whoa. And there was a, was a dangerous spot. Early, and, and also props to uh, Ember Moon in this match, because I think she got knocked a little loopy very, very early by a kick. And she had to recover at some point. She continued going. That would have been a time I almost thought they might have stopped it. But uh yeah, the, the whole stomp on the trash can where it traps Io Shirai in it. I, I, I howled at that. The win came when Raquel Gonzalez gets the pin on Io Shirai, the women's champion. Here comes my rant, Chris. Okay, rant on, my dude. I like Raquel Gonzalez a lot. We've, we've talked her up here. Yeah. I like Rhea Ripley a lot. I liked her as rant. Talked her up here. I love this women's division. I love the different characters. I love NXT's women's division historically. Part of the reason I think we're losing a lot of interest in it is they've changed their mind on the storytelling so many times. You can't, and you've beaten everybody kind of in the process. You don't know who's important, who's not important, and they changed that. It was two takeovers ago, Chris where the focus of this division was going to be Tony Storm and Ember Moon chasing Io Shirai. Neither of them have had a title match since that appearance. One has turned heel. Was it was it two takeovers ago or one? I believe... Oh, man, I, you might be right. You might be I right. I believe it, it was the last take, because I want to I wanna say I remember Tony Storm delivering her promo, talking about how at the last takeover, this is supposed to be her big return. Yeah. And then Ember Moon returned, and that's why she's mad at her now. You might be right. I might be mixing it up with, like, a special event that takes where they labeled Wednesdays, like, Halloween Havoc or something. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, but that, like, yeah, but that wasn't a takeover proper. But okay. I think I, yeah. But now, yeah. okay, Ember Moon is an afterthought. After Wednesday. She gets beat again by Raquel Gonzalez. 
And she gets jumped by Tony Storm. That made me so angry. And, so and like, I like Raquel Gonzalez too, but Ember Moon is a champion level talent. And there, and I know that you're trying to build Raquel to get there right now. She's but, a former champion. She's not just a champion level talent. She's a former champion. She is a former champion. They didn't even really get that across as heavily as you might have thought during yeah. the course of that match, which I guess is probably to Ember's credit um, because this is not one that uh, you want to remember. And then, <laughs> so we're back to Rhea and Raquel Gonzalez in a battle of the Giants because we've ruined Rhea Ripley with this, I had doubts after WrestleMania. And Raquel's going to go over this time. And Raquel, well, she should. I, yeah, no, no, well, no I, that, I that's what the that. logic dictates, you but know it what? also you need it's to, crazy. You need to bite your tongue on that, Chris. They might say, we need to heat up Rhea again, because originally the plan was Rhea versus Bianca versus Charlotte at WrestleMania last year. They decided after that rumble... They didn't want to heat up Bianca anymore, so they throw her on main event. They heat up Rhea real strong, but then they go, you know, the real the real move here is to give NXT the rub, so we're going to put Charlotte on that show where nobody ends up going over on Charlotte. <laughs> until it, it was just... It's like she had a list of contenders and stuff like that that she could have... We could have had a long eight- to nine-month run of Charlotte and NXT building up people. We're now back to Raquel versus Rhea. And I don't know if either of them are going over Chris. I think they're going to try and keep both of them hot. Uh, I'll tell you, I don't really care who goes over. Here's what I care about. I care about that. They decide on a track. Yes. Whether that's the Raquel Gonzalez track, the Rhea Ripley track, the Ember moon track, the EO, the EO Shirai tracks probably coming to an end here, but they need to pick a track get on that track and then build everything else around it and stay on that friggin' track for a long time because this week to week booking crap is what's killing them in the ratings war against AEW because AEW they do sometimes kind of like hot shot together stuff and like like they they'll go oh it was a plan all along Austin sort of stuff uh but like you know they kind of composited things together or they'll retcon stuff like with the dark order um like they they clean up bad stories um but AEW also tells long form stories that make sense um and they get to the finish line more often than they drop the ball whereas with WWE it's not even clear where the finish line is with some of these storylines. Like, like we've been talking when we were talking about Sasha and Bailey, um, we were enjoying the ride, but it was completely unclear how they were ever going to get off of it. And then they just got off. Like, you know, like didn't make, it didn't necessarily make a lot of narrative sense how they ended the story. They just ended it. Right. And that women's division in SmackDown is now, (laughs) they got Bailey and, and Bianca doing comedy skits. I just, I'm, a little frustrated with women's wrestling in the WWE right now. I really am. We got Lana and Asuka tag team. It's Nia and Shayna. I yeah. What's good? What's good, Chris? There's nothing. Well, you good. got Carmella and her uh, new tag along Sam Ollier. Is that is <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Any other thoughts from the women's match? I, I thought I thought everybody kind of really just kicked ass in this thing and hurt it was just the storytelling was weird yeah no this is like a really stiff match and i want to make it clear that when it comes to gonzalez i like her i just think 
I think she needs to have more long singles matches to really get her feet under her for when she becomes champion and has to have the long matches and sort of carry the division. Um, I, I don't know that she's quite there on that front yet, but um, in terms of like power and um, in terms of just being like rough and tumble, I like her a lot. I think she's got a lot to offer. The men's war games match yet another. It was great, but there were times where the storytelling failed them. And I think it failed them in, in how they got out of it. Pat McAfee's crazy. And I love him. And he did some amazing things in this match for a guy who doesn't have a lot of wrestling experience. Going up on top of a cage and doing a swanton bomb off the top of a cage, even if you're a trained athlete and not a trained wrestler, is crazy. Pat McAfee should not be kicking out of a Panama sunrise. Pat McAfee kicking out of a Panama sunrise only for Oni Lurkin to then eat the pin on a stomp on the chair or whatever the heck it was. And not only that, the story they're telling is that Pat McAfee's not a wrestler, that he doesn't that belong in war games. There was a real disconnect in the story of the villains. It, it, like the, what the protagonists were doing here was predictable. It made sense. And they were behaving in the way that you'd expect. What's, was very surprising in this match is that like most McAfee stuff, like he really thinks about like every beat of the story. And in this case you had the tables and we've already kind of went off on like how there was sort of like no end game with the tables. And like, it was very weird when like they were sort of non sequiturially going through the wrong tables for each. It wasn't even like fish was putting one of them through the fish table. Um, it was just, like random people were going through random tables with like no rhyme or reason. Uh, McAfee I found was very inconsistent too. Um, I think that he should have been begging off a lot more um, and really should have been hiding behind his three hands most of the time. Um, I, I like, I, I'm with you. Uh, I think it's a hoot that this guy is willing to do these big spots and he's a great promo He's a compelling enough guy, and his selling's not bad. He sold the neck on his podcast the next day, which yeah. killed me. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it, you sum all of that together. You've got a pretty darn good wrestler. Like, we, we just got to just start saying Pat McAfee. Like, he doesn't wrestle all the time, but he's a good wrestler. Like, he gets it. Um, But I found that, like, him going from being, like, Captain Courageous jumping off the top of the cage uh, didn't really kind of fit in with, like, he's not really a wrestler. And also, like, he's the villain who cobbled all these guys together purely out of money in, like, a revenge plot. He's like, doing fantasy camp. He's an athlete who was paid to be a wrestler and is now paying to have other wrestlers protect him and to be in a gang. And yeah, the end of this... I, I was trying, I sat down and I was thinking about, okay, what's a parallel if you went to the first war games and the road warriors hit the doomsday device on JJ Dillon, the one where he dislocates his shoulder and then JJ Dillon kicks out and then they end up getting the surrender when Dusty Rhodes puts a figure four on Arn Anderson. That was this ending for me. 
It yeah, made- no, no, no. It, it, another way of thinking about this is like it, it'd be like Andy Kaufman, like a super version of Andy Kaufman, like but still like less credible than a full-on wrestler. But yeah, like Kaufman JJ hires Dillon was a trained wrestler, so that's yeah. why I use that as Kauf- an example. Yeah, but no, but like Kauf- Kaufman hires three guys to back him up, like Assassin One, Two, and Three. Um, and Kaufman takes Jerry Lawler's pile driver, kicks out, and then Assassin Two goes down and gets covered by Lawler. Um, I- I'm with you. McAfee should not have been kicking out of this stuff. What should have been happening is Lorkin, Birch, and Dunn are saving were saving him, him yes. every single time. And sometimes McAfee gets up and acts like he was about to kick out of that, like he totally had it. But like you can still have him do the like the death defying stuff because he's stupid. Um, and he thinks that his three hired hands are gonna like bail him out of this. But I think it needed to be a little bit more centered around the idea that. McAfee's the money mark, and these are his mercenaries. Well, McAfee got trained by Rip Rogers, and I just, part of me hopes that McAfee is so old school that in the meeting where they said, what's going on, he's like, look, he started to negotiate. Like, look, brother, I'll take your, I'll take your Panama Sunrise. I'm kicking out of two. I'm not, I'm not taking the fall, brother. It's I'm not kicking out of two nine either. I'm kicking out of a clean two. Don't want to lose my heat here. <laughs> Gotta stay over. Gotta stay over. <laughs> Gotta That's stay he... over in the Thunderdome. The real money's in the singles match later. <laughs> <laughs> Just... well, who should take? Let Oni take the pin. You know? <laughs> Who'd he ever beat? <laughs> uh, oh it, it, that that it was a it was. Okay, um, but I thought the women's Wrestling match was- Observer reports Pat McAfee is now a Hulk Hogan like guy backstage. Wants his win back over Cole. <laughs> <laughs> May bring in Yokozuna later. Uh, yeah, I, a little bit of a disappointing for the brand versus undisputed era war games, considering. That they actually had a cool story to tell here if they wanted to tell it. Like the the story that they have potentially on the table with these guys that they even kind of set up a little bit versus how it played out in the match. There's just a disconnect there that kept me from really getting into this match. Yeah, I think I think for the for the for the undisputed era, the story should have been that they're growing apart after all these years. And they don't know if they'll be able to hold it together. And they don't even know if their heart's in it or whatever. You know, hey, we've been in every single one of these matches. It's a brutal fight. Bobby Fish always gets injured. <laughs> we should, they should have made that part of the story, to be honest with you. Look, we come out of this banged up. It hurts our careers. Do we really, do we really want to be a, a, a group anymore? Those types of things. And then have them coalesce once this dip shit comes in. <laughs> my French explicit tag comes in and, and, and it's buying friends to beat them up and Pete Dunn's looking for revenge on Roddy and everybody else. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think they weren't well served by it and I don't think anybody was well served by the video on NXT television. You know, nobody believes, you know, they love saying that, you know what? It not only, you know, it, it, it scars you for the rest of your career type stuff. When, when you're, when nobody's really, selling any injuries they're not selling the uh gravitas of a war games matches yeah we were in this match and it was rock and roll and now we're here on wednesday that's what it was what would be really fun 
is if someone timed their retirement for war games and actually like ended their career in war games so that they could say like, yeah, war games ended my career, brother. Like, yeah, the closest that's com- that they've come to that was 92 with Zabisco where the dangerous Alliance then kicks him out a couple weeks later and he turns baby face for about a cup of coffee and then becomes a commentator with WCW. But yeah, no, that'd be a great idea. If you're going to have things like Hell in the Cell and War Games be these career-scarring matches, um, I think that, yeah, there is actually kind of an interesting opportunity for people who are wrapping up their careers to wrap up in one of those matches and uh, be a casualty of the cage. Let's finish up NXT talk. Let's just do the Wednesday show, and then we'll do uh, AEW. Uh, we'll do all all manner of NXT here, I think. Uh, <laughs> so Kate Karrion Cross is back. Uh, last week, announcers had no clue what that promo video was, or no, that was during War Games. That was the other thing. Yeah, they play the Karrion Cross video. Uh, what was that? <laughs> really? Do we not watch the product, guys? Scarlet comes out looking like uh, looking like she's in between on Rocket League when you get spikes on the car. It almost looked like all the spikes hadn't grown yet. That's what that looked like. I I don't know. I kind of reminded me of a combination of the Statue of Liberty and the Plutonians okay. from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. With okay, all the yeah, arms. yeah, 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 yeah. Where they have the random spikes coming it, the out from everywhere. The random spikes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My dad owns a dealership. Um. <laughs> no, no, those are different aliens. Oh, those are different aliens. Yeah. Those okay. Are, those are the frat aliens. Oh yeah, you go. Th- those yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Those guys. Yeah. I'm doing yeah, yeah. voices e- now to make Emery and Oglethorpe are their names. I don't want to go down to that. Yeah. Okay. That guy. Um. Yeah. God, they're gonna want me to do more of that. Uh. Yeah. I. I didn't. Boy, do nothing screams main roster than the promo where everybody comes down after their music is talking. I want a challenge for the title. I want a challenge for the title. I want a challenge for the title. Oh, my goodness. And, and when Balor walked out of the ring and walked away from all three of those guys in the ring, he made them all look like dweebs. And, I, like, I guess, you know, part of that's, like, you want to get Balor over as the champion. But, man, he, he just, like, completely nerfed Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, and mm-hmm. Damian Priest. Yeah. Not his fault. That's just, that's a bad way of presenting these guys. Chris, my heart was happy this week. On both AEW and NXT, I got great tag team wrestling. And I adored the three-way with Ever Rise, the Grizzled Young Veterans, and Imperium. Because it fit so well with Weasel Heel versus Cocky Heel versus Badass Heel. And none of these people should like each other. I thought Ever Rise played their role perfectly. If you didn't, they should have played the promo that they did for, for dot com on TV where their winning streak is intact. The psychology of the match. Look, there's nobody to root for here because everybody's a bad guy, but there are shades of bad guys. I love Imperium. Uh, and there's something about ever rises belief in themselves that makes them the de facto baby face. Yes. Of there's these a certain charm to the delusion. 
Yeah, yeah, right. Like the streak, like the streak is real in their heads because they want it to be real. And you kind of love that. At least I do. But the streak's not on TV, so nobody knows that. So the, so what they're coming off on is is just typical weasel heels, main roster, Ms. Morrison types who hide and try and take advantage of stuff and don't have any real skill to them other than opportunism. I think it's just a bit of a log jam too in this division right now, where you have the grizzled young veterans and Imperium, who I love. I love these guys both. And they shouldn't be feuding though. No, they shouldn't be. Uh, this is like this show is what I was saying. The sum is way less than the actual total of the parts. When you have the grizzled young veterans in Imperium in your tag division, your tag division is pretty damn stacked. Yes. Uh, yeah, and oh, by the way, you also have the undisputed era in the mix here. Like you have. They have the people. They My have fear the people. is then Brizongo gets thrown into this, and you know, and not doing, not doing the thing we want Brizongo to do, but being Brizongo. Yeah, I think that is an issue, and I think the the other issue is who is the babyface team you are having climb the ladder up from Everrise, Imperium, and Grizzled Young Veterans, um, like because like that's what this division is really stacked for right now. We don't have a young up and coming tag team, but the Rascals may fix that from uh, TNA. They were they're in uh, they're in the PC right now. Uh, that see, and, and if that's the case, um, and the Rascals are ready to go, they have a really nice program or a series of programs here to get built up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think eventually, probably grizzled young vets probably become the de facto baby faces here. Yeah, I think if it, one of these teams does have to get turned, I, it might be. It might. You can't be get case. heat as Liverpool's number one, and nobody's taking their shoes off. So you might as well make him a baby face for right now. Uh, yes, and Gibson's so good. Like Gibson, just crapping on anyone and everyone who stands in his way. Like Gibson crapping on carrying cross would be a hoot. <laughs> I like I'm But then he'd so have to die. He'd have to oh, die. No, he, of... Yeah, he might have to die because of it. But like him and James Drake like just getting into trouble, like in you know writing writing checks that they can cash some of the time. It would be a fun a fun way of presenting the veterans for right now. The follow up to uh the Gargano storyline is that Austin Theory is making bad jokes. Uh, speaking of delusional, that's not endearing. We have Leon Ruff. He'll be teaming with Kushida next week against, uh, Gargano, who is fantastic. Gargano is fantastic. Ruff got dropped by his original tag team partner just to show you how much of a goober he is. I think Ruff's turning heel next week, Chris. On Kushida? Yes. Good. (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean good? This is gonna be I, terrible. I mean, like, like they can't fix it now. They've screwed it up so bad. Like, like let's just, just run it into the ground. Why How about not? we make him more likable, guys? Yeah, maybe, they, maybe he gets the win in the tag. I don't. Match. I don't know that he necessarily. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna scratch that. I think he gets the win in the tag match, and he and he gets the respect of Kushida, oh, and then and they actually, beat him down afterwards. Ruff and Kushida could be like a tag team that goes up against some of these new heel teams that are in the okay. division. Yeah. yeah, and then and then Ruff can take the fall. Usually. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. No. And it, this. Gives Kushida yet another mid league. And then he turns do. heel. Yay. Yeah, yeah. 
And then Ruff gets frustrated because he's supposed to be a single star. Because there's nothing better, Chris. Chris, there's nothing better than the athletic, crowd-pleasing, death-defying flips of a heel. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Leo Rush could pull it off, but I don't think Leon Ruff can. Leo Um, Rush had had, had the snobby gimmick, so yeah. There was a snobby thing, but then there was also like a certain way that he was like quick and flashy. Um, when he was on his game with all the handstands and like, kind of like handstand and then walk back and stuff where it was, it was prickish. And uh, I think that rough, I have not seen that in rough's offensive style, um, as of yet, you know, who else is turning heel? Uh, Maybe these two guys get together is, uh, Swerve Scott, maybe Swerve talks to rough and and influence and gives him a new type of swerve, (laughs) a, a dark swerve. Jeez. Yeah. Got to make that guy a heel. I, I just, because uh, Jake Atlas is now getting built up again, which is, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's just, we've, we've seen Swerve and Jake Scott work so many times together. It's, it's so weird. Yeah. I mean, is he getting built up or is it more 50, 50, it's 50, 50. It's, it's yeah, 50, that, 50. That's my thing is, is it feels like a lot of this stuff is 50, 50 booking. I had no problem with Pete Dunn beating Killian Dane. I thought they did a good job to protect the Killian Dane tough guy gimmick. Like the fact that Dunn needed help and that people in the back decided that Dunn needed help, that kept that kept Dane looking strong and, and Dunn didn't need to beat Killian Dane clean here. Um, I like the vignette. I liked that yeah. Dane just came right in and just started beating on him as opposed to words or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, there's a lot to like. And I liked the Drake Maverick insertion into this too. Um, I, I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, anything else on NXT? Uh, no, that's, okay. that's all I got on NXT. Quick hits on NXT UK. They're turning it into another WWE show with a talk show. I like Noam Dar. I find him funny. I, I just thought that was, I, I, I know you don't like the talk show. I thought that was very funny for the record. Okay. I enjoyed it. I, I like, I, there's just, there's a prickish quality to Noam Dar that I, it pops me. I, I, I just, I think he's very funny. Um, I enjoyed, uh, Jordan Devlin beating up Oliver Carter. Um, and, uh, what else happened on this? Tyler show? Bate has returned to NXT UK. And we found out that the heritage cup is a secondary title. It seems, but they will all be fought in the round system. Uh, That's, you know, I, Bates I been eating his Wheaties. He's yeah. a body guy now, which yeah, uh, he, he's a body guy. There's another guy that was hot, and then they never pulled the trigger on him again after after the initial run. I just, but yeah, I saw. I mean, I saw Bait this week, and I'm looking at this guy and going, "Well, I'll be watching this guy having quality matches for the next 25, 30 years." Like you know, MJF brings that up in his promos or whatever. <laughs> you look at the face in the, for, of the business for the next twenty five years or whatever. But like, dude, Bait. This guy, genetically blessed, he puts in the work. Um, he's a great wrestler. He's a good promo. Uh, this guy's going to be around for a real long time. I actually enjoyed uh, A-Kid. I thought the Gnome Dar interaction, there's a facial that A-Kid did when Gnome Dar said, you're now A-Man. That <laughs> I was just, It was very, very funny. It was That's almost like he say. wasn't expecting it. Yes, and he yeah he was he was pulling it a little bit. Um, I even liked uh, the hunt and Eddie Dennis storming into Scala's office. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Um, yeah, the gin and the Ginny segment was good too. But 
Interesting that Isla Dawn pins Zaya Brookside off of a distraction. I guess like the program with that, uh, that's a quote unquote protected finish. Yes, in their minds, and it's not, but it is. I, I know. Yeah. Well, it, it's weird because it's so contra to the story that they are telling with Brookside that she learned lessons. Like that's how they spun that match with Nina Samuels here. Um, this week's commentary. And then she didn't, so she's learned lessons, but like she learned to not fall for a faked injury because in the past we've seen Brookside fall for things like faked injuries and distraction finishes. Samuels comes up on the Tron and Zaya Brookside is distracted. So hey, like up here, <laughs> is this the unlearning of lessons? Like, yes. like, or yeah, it, it no, it's I know stupid it's like baby face syndrome. Yeah, she still has more things to learn. I'm but it's not. Stupid. I'm not a, That's not I'm how not a focused things. athlete. I gotta go watch the TV while I'm in here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's stupid. Like that's not like when you're learning something. Yes, you still have to learn new things and you make new mistakes or whatever. But like, it's not as though you've learned a lesson and then you go back and make a rudimentary mistake again. That's not how like theory of knowledge generally works. Chris, you now have thirty seconds. To gush on the only thing in the main roster that either of us cared about, mostly you, Slapjack. Well, I mean, here's the thing about this week. Uh, Slapjack is yet again being held down by Mia Yim, a.k.a. (laughs) Reckoning, in this match. Uh, But, again, we saw leadership during his stint in the match against the former Prince Puma. Once again, Slapjack had the upper hand on Ricochet. Um, and but for an unfortunate tag, again, trying to exhibit teamwork inside of a tag situation, um, Mia Yim cost the team the match. I think we've seen yet again here, Jeff, in this match and, and in previous weeks where Slapjack has defeated the former Prince Puma, that Mr. Jack works better as a singles star. And I hope that the true leader of Retribution eventually breaks away from the pack here and goes on to bigger and better things facing Randy Orton at WrestleMania. I take that back. The Hurt Business are still great. Don't split them up, please. Um, well, how about a Slapjack versus the <laughs> Is Mia Yim going to get drummed out and replaced by somebody else? Yeah, no, she's going to be the weak link. She, like, uh, how are, are they going to make gonna, an oh example my God, out me... of the girl, though? Because it's not like they can jump her out. You can't have like four guys like stomping Mia Yim. What if they throw out Mia Yim? And they use that to reintroduce Mercedes Martinez as then reintroduced in retribution. I I just think they're, they they may put a main roster woman in there. I don't know. I, I don't know why they're doing this Natty right now. Natty gets introduced into retribution. Oh, God. <laughs> we, got, we got Mia Yim's down with... We're going to send you down with Keith. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, learn how to work, Mia Yim. Uh, yeah, I just I <laughs> natty, natty. Who who? Uh, Peyton. But Peyton Billy Royce K- in there. Billy Kay would be like the ultimate blow off to the retribution angle. She still has the headshot gimmick, but she's in retribution with <laughs> yes. a mask. <laughs> and, and she to has show a headshot everyone. with the mask on it. And on her resume, it says mask work, Commedia dell'arte. And she can't do all that. 
I've done mask work too, so I'm eligible for other roles. Th- yes, Chris, you have. You've cracked the code. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chelsea Green, maybe I don't know. I, she's not ready though. I yeah, I was. I was just thinking about. I mean, are they already going to throw out Mia Yim out of this group? Yeah, I, I don't. They're already moving into Ali is a cruel and bad leader, and they don't do anything. Uh, it's not like retribution does. I'm trying to... Oh, Eva Marie. Eva Marie, who is at the PC right now, gets called up to be <laughs> retribution. I still want her to be the real source of Jeff Hardy's car accident. Oh, I saw, I saw the Reddit. Or or now there's actually... There's rumors she might be the secret crush of Angel Garza, who is dying up on Raw. Man. This company has so many. Remember Umberto Where's Umberto Carrillo, Carrillo at? Yeah, who, who remember Dimples Carrillo? Remember Dimples Carrillo and what a great. <laughs> I half ex- I half expect Aaliyah Mysterio to just be randomly on main event for no reason, just because they don't have anything to do with her. <sighs> they could make four hours of actually compelling television. Because they've got a great roster of really talented people right now. And they should all be on Retribution. Well, (laughs) you could build them all in a structure such that it results in Slapjack ending up at the top of the pyramid. (laughs) And and maybe I would configure a division such like that. We just need Uh, a roster of Slapjacks, Chris. If you and I had like a War Games style match on WWE 2K20... (laughs) I would just choose all four slapjacks. Four slapjacks. Four slapjacks. All the different outfits. Um, and I'd crush whatever team you brought at me. I no, I'd have four hunters. I'd have I'd have like Blue Blood Hunter, DX Hunter, the Game Hunter, slapjacks and King going of Kings over Hunter. Hunter. You kidding me? No, nobody's kicking out. Nobody's kicking out of the pedigree. Slapjack kicks out of. The, the, we'll kick out of multiple. Pat McAfee could kick out of the pedigree. Yeah, but McAfee. If McAfee could do it. Jackafee can. <laughs> oh, slap Jackafee. Slap Jackafee. <laughs> Sorry, kids. We're just having fun here. All right. AEW Dynamite, the follow up to Impact. Um, I'll throw in a few random notes here. Because I watched Impact and I love their talent. I love Rosemary. I love the North. I love Sue Young. Um, she wasn't on the show, but I love Sue Young. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't see anything differentiating them from any other generic wrestling show. And and so I don't see it growing the audience necessarily. I I didn't like the Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone promo as much as other people, but a lot of I people didn't really either. It. Okay, so what didn't work about it for you? Tony Khan. And what about Tony Khan? Uh the dispassion. He wasn't really angry. He was just kind of, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm here. Uh, you know, it, him becoming a player character concerns me because he doesn't have great comedic timing, which he was trying to do with Tony. He really didn't have that much anger or disappointment or anything towards what was happening there. This felt like a self-aware TV bit. And I, I don't think that necessarily goes for it. I loved Shivani's line about, yeah, I... Worked there for one for a cup of coffee, and then I was out of the business for 18 years. Funny line, don't get me wrong, but I just, you know, he he was kind of he kind of had this, he had the same Tony Khan smile, 
And, you know, I think also maybe just coming in a Jaguars polo or something like that threw me off. But his part of the promo didn't work for me. I agree. I didn't find it to be sufficiently sneering and Mm -hmm. contemptuous uh, because that is clearly the tone that is supposed to be struck there when you're, when you're like, I'm buying time on the competitors programming. The, the implication is that you've got so much money that your company is so much bigger that like you can come into impact wrestling and throw your money around and crush them. Um, well, let I'm me, with let you. me, let me cut you off a bit because okay. there's a problem because they're trying to do a dance here and it's a hard dance to do. You can't heal Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone here as members of AEW because the heel is Kenny Omega having scorned AEW to come to Impact. See what's going on here? Right. Yeah, no, but that's the complication. So Tony Schiavone, when he makes the good joke about I went to Impact and then I quit the business for 18 years. Right. Yes. They are they they're sort of seemingly setting up two different levels between this Impact and AEW feud. Um, You have the Kenny Omega, Don Callis part of this, um, but then you also seemingly have Tony Khan now setting himself up as a player character at war um, with other companies like AEW. Um, or By buying time on there, it just... In introducing himself in the way that he introduced himself, I, like he clearly... Wants to do more on-screen things. And I'm with you. I don't think he has even Eric Bischoff-like levels of charisma. And that's the closest comp that I would have for Tony Khan. And I, I Bischoff, some people are more down on his on-screen work than I am. I like some of what he did when he was a heel. Um, but I the don't problem think was the booking when he was a heel where yes. they'd never get their comeuppance. And so right. were, it was always like playing, it was like playing games as a, as kids in the backyard with the kid who always wanted to keep changing the rules. So he wouldn't lose. That was Eric Bischoff. And you sure could see that happening with Tony Khan. I could, I think it was dangerous to put him on being the elite in the first place. Um, let me let me rave over something on AEW Dark. I love Danny Jordan. I love here here's why. The the match and I liked uh, Red Velvet too. I believe that's her name. She was the, both of them and both of them are great. I want them to continue to be in AEW and I want them to sign Nicole Savoy. And I want them to sign Christy Janes because all four of them have what I want. Believable swag. They come out there, they own the room. They're cocky. You believe they're cocky. You believe they're confident in themselves. It's not overwhelming. And they can do more than just like my, my issue with big swole is all she does is dance. She can't do much more in terms of charisma than that. For the most part, she's had a few vignettes here and there. I like cocky swag in my heels. And so I want, I want an entire roster of swag. And Danny Jordan came out here, did the, Mean girls dance. She's doing a bit of a mean girls gimmick. But what popped me was she gets done doing the Christmas dance, goes in and flips off the other wrestlers, which I just loved. Oh, I sent you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so let's get into more stuff that, that, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff on this AEW show. 
especially in tag team wrestlingville. Chris Novembrino doppelganger Jack Evans, the real best Jack in wrestling, not that slapjack imposter. What, what are you doing? Why, why would why, why would you why would you introduce that to the conversation? I'm I'm introducing that to the conversation because that's you a go, monstrous thing. You that go you have gaga done. over over your little slapjack love, the little the dork with the hockey mask. I'm going after a real heel here in Jack Evans. This was the match we'd been waiting. <laughs> Can't do the bit, sorry. <laughs> well, we can, but I don't have the argument. Uh, this is the match I was waiting for TH2 to have for a while. I think they should have gotten the win for a title match later. They didn't need to do it immediately or even soon. But I loved this match. And Helico was a beast in this thing. Jack's flying all over the place. I, I adored this opener, Chris. Oh, dude, this is a banger, man. This, this might be really, my really favorite match. tag match in AEW so far. It might be my favorite. I won't say the best, but it might be my favorite. No, I think it's because TH2's style meshes really well with the Bucks' yes. style. And at this point, everyone knows kind of the spots that the Bucks are doing. Um, the Jackson injury angle thing that they're doing long-term what TH2 does offensively plays nicely into that storytelling. I did find the finish where Matt's like, oh, my knee's really bothering me. Uh, 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 I'm going to use it for this piece of offense. And then gets up, oh, it's hurting even worse now. It's really bad. I'm going to use it again. Uh, it was. It would have been fine if he had done it once, but he did it three times in a row. I thought that was a little hamish. Just a bit. Yeah, it's kind of uh, playing over the top. I liked a lot FTR versus Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Are the, the Varsity Blondes, is that what they're calling the them? The Varsity Blondes. I, th- what they need is the old Hollywood Blondes music from WCW. See, um, that's am, production music, and I don't think it would cost that much money. I am dying for Jungle Boy and Pillman to be a team and call them the North Hollywood Blondes, but it's only a joke I would get. <laughs> Because <laughs> I believe Luke Perry lived in North Hollywood as well, so it'd be just one of those things where you just talk about showbiz a lot. Um, yeah, no, I liked FTR working over Pillman Jr. I, I uh, uh, Pillman Jr. is an odd one. I, I like him a lot. I'm not in love with him, but I like him a lot. And Garrison is, uh, as as he himself says, he's Ivy League educated, and he's he's not he's not a bad athlete either. Um, so I yeah, and they're the kind of team. They're the kind of team I want to see FDR beat up. You know, they're also the kind of team that I think, given time, and will win. Will beat FTR. Yeah, well, and also will just become a better team. Like yes. I, I think, like they, I think they'll become a better tag team, and you'll see a real in-ring growth in these guys. So I, I hope that this team sticks together for a while, um, and gets to kind of keep doing interesting things. I like a good strong tag team division, but yes, it, it, yeah, you have your grizzled vets. Versus your young pretty boy team. And I think when the varsity blondes go heel, I think that's when it'll switch on for them. Like I, I think it, it, the face run for a team like this is always a little less compelling than that first heel run. And that's usually when things kind of tend to click in for teams like this. Was that you that played the music just then? No. I just got a, I got a shot of music all throughout. 
damn, like, who's playing that right now? I'm not Sorry. playing music. Uh, you know, I'm being pensive and reflective about <laughs> the state of wrestling in America in the year 2020. Sorry about that. That just threw me off for a second. I thought That's you okay. were playing the, the Hollywood Blondes theme. Did Did you hear that somewhere? Yes. I didn't. I did not play that. Like I definitely did not. I have not. I've been standing here with my hands away from the computer, but you're telling me like some ghost in the machine just played like the. That thing? Just going to slow burn here for a second here, Chris. Just going to slow burn. Because <laughs> I thought something was wrong with my computer. No, I, something <laughs> is wrong with your computer, bro. I've been watching a lot of the X-Files recently. <laughs> And this happened on that show. I'll tell you a little later. <laughs> okay. Uh, something I didn't like. Brandy Runnels. Uh, look, I get it. It's part and parcel. This has become a little bit too Stephanie as Poochie for me. And I like Brandy Runnels. I do. A- as a presence, I like her as a talk show host on the... Uh, on was it the shot of brandy that she does on the internet? But this angle with Shaq is it's bad. too much. Yeah, it's, it's bad. bad. Yes. They also this segment went from being okay to being way over the top in the last like forty five seconds. Where it tried uh, to be comedy with with Shaq doing the uh, breaking the fourth wall at the end of the camera, God. and he, sh- he should have just shrugged. And then you hear. Boom, you know that kind of thing. I, I yeah, I uh, no, no, that was that was too much. Um, that shouldn't have even happened. Like the water spot should not have happened. Um, I, I think that this angle is quickly becoming a, a bit of a mess. Um, and I'm not really sure where it's going. I don't know how interested I am in a Shaq versus Cody match. I was trying to think. I think my ending for that match would either be Brand or not the match, but that segment would either be Brandy getting pissed and walking off, or Brandy cussing him out with you know just a long beep along the thing and not hearing what she actually said. I would have had Cargo come out and attack. Like I would have had Shaq say, "I'm trying to be a nice guy. I'm trying to be a nice guy. I'm trying to be a nice guy here," and sort of like. Put that out there, but with this veil, and then at the end, Cargill attacks Brandy, and it's not clear if Shaq was in on it or if he really is a nice guy. Uh, I'd keep it ambiguous for a while. I'm kind of interested, I guess, in heel Shaq, uh, more so than I am in ham babyface Shaq. See, Shaq's always been a heel to me. I've never liked Shaq. (laughs) You know, when he was on every team and just kind of being a pain and never in shape and, you know, offense goes through me, you know, that kind of stuff. I, you know, I always found his media image a little played up. So he's, always, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, and I don't like Kobe either. So it was heel on heel heat there. Um, <laughs> no, but Shaq coming in and talking about how all these other people talk about being champions and he's the only one with rings. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it'd be, uh, it would actually be kind of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. I'm more interested in heel Shack than I am in babyface Shack. That's not to say that I'm interested in heel Shack. It's just of the two, I think I'm more intrigued by that. I don't like this uh, Shack and Brandy angle though. 
I'll sandwich things I don't like with things I do like. So let me get the other thing I really don't didn't care for out of the way. I'm not into Abaddon as the Undertaker, and I'm not into uh, I'm not into being scared of her. I'm I'm just not. I don't want the suit. There's there's places there's ways to do supernatural. That wasn't it. I actually thought that uh, Tesha whatever uh, was good. She was good. She played her role perfectly. Uh, I, I, what I really enjoyed, uh, what audibly lulled me, is when the announcer announced her name. She turned around scared, <laughs> like mildly alarmed to hear the sound of her own name. Yeah, yeah, that that's some classic squash guy stuff right there. Uh, you, you can't teach that. That's just good instincts. Uh, I didn't. I don't hate having some level of intimidation. What I didn't enjoy, to your point is when Hikarashita comes in, whomps Abaddon on the head, and then, yeah, we get the dime store She does Cameron Grimes right now. She really is. It's one of those things where being, look, there, there's being concerned and then being frightened. And that's where it takes, I mean, you're, you're a champion. You're taking on all comers. I, I get being concerned, but you should not be scared. Yeah, she goes from, this is the tension with Sheeta too, is she's really scared of Abaddon. And when I say really scared, like she was scared this week, last week she was scared when like something fell in the background, it might have been mm-hmm. Abaddon. Um, like she's really scared of Abaddon. But she's also supposed to be a fighting champion. And she's trying to present that fighting champion thing right now. And having those two things in tension, uh... Abaddon's not really scary enough for me to think that she is in real danger. So right now it comes off as um, it we're doesn't getting into undead bride territory with Sue Young. That's the thing that like we're gonna have like James Mitchell come out eventually, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, like I could get Sheeta being scared if Abaddon was Awesome Kong. You know what I mean? Someone who's just Way bigger than Sheeta, way more intimidating. Sheeta's our fighting champion, but this might finally be a challenge that's too big for Sheeta. Um, and also, then you know, you pour on some undead gimmick onto Awesome Kong too. So like, she's got the undead stuff, and I'm I'm with you. I'm ambivalent on that stuff. I, I kind of want to take all three women with these types of gimmicks, put them in a stable, and get a mouthpiece so that we have some sort of cohesion and direction. It's almost a little like Paul Ar- Paul Jones's army, but you know, Rosemary Abaddon. And Sue Young. And then we get like James Mitchell or Dr. Luther or somebody to do the satanic gimmick. And then we can just have it all in one place and in one federation. And then they can do stuff with it. I, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I actually think that would be interesting. It'd be interesting if uh, Dark Order had to face off against an actually spooky group. Abaddon should be in the Dark Order. <laughs> but what is Dark Order even about at this point? Um, uh, wacky comedy with, with it's about wearing t-shirts yeah it's about hanging out with John Silver like, like John- they've ceased being a cult like the cult is being it's a cult of comedy Silver. it's yeah. a cult of comedy Chris it's all the laughter and yuck yucks and and it's improv it's improv which is a cult of comedy uh, no, but look I liked the I, I was going to go into this I liked the Adam Page John Silver Alex Reynolds thing my, my favorite part about that was when they said they had been waiting there for seven days <laughs> too funny with the dumb hats and just 
I, I actually like that. Look, I'll team with you. Yay. But I'm not joining the dark order. Oh, <laughs> it's so ridiculously stupid, but I love it. I, I do. I, I, I'd like to get, I think once Brody Lee comes back from whatever, I, I don't know what's going on there, but then it'll take another tone of seriousness. Maybe, maybe they throw Brody Lee out. And they just I, well, that'd be that'd be really funny. Is that Adam or that uh, John Silver pulls a coup on Brody Lee and takes it over? And they just become like a fun group, but they still call themselves Dark Order. Well, Adam Page or yeah, Adam Page takes over. <laughs> they make him the new king. You're our new king now. You're the best. Okay, what what are we? Are we about are we about rehab? No, no, we just sit around and drink. That's all we do. <laughs> They just become raging alcoholics from like top to bottom, and Cabana's like, "What? What, are the, what am I doing here?" <laughs> no, but I, I'm with you. I think maybe when Brody Lee gets back, like that's when Silver and uh, other Beaver Boy get kicked out or something like that. Like, or 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 they just get more focus in it because right now it's just right now they're there to be killed. They're red shirts. I'm. Fine oh, the with one it. thing I did enjoy too, although also a little too referential, wink, winky at the same time was uh, wanting Dustin join a seven. Oh God. And then he shows up on impact <laughs> and has to be seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little too cute by half. Uh, Taz is great. And the sting follow-up was good. Those are the only other two notes I have for AEW. Yeah, Dynamite. so the sting follow-up hung around a little too long, but like this was not it was solid. This was right, right. For especially compared to previous Sting Speaks segments of the past, where they have been uh, leaving us severely wanting. Like the WWE one really comes to mind, but he's had other ones that have been just like womp womp. Um, this was pretty good, and I like the tension between him and Cody Rhodes. I like the tension between him and Darby Allen and that like there's just ambiguity with Sting. Um and I like that like he, you know the whole I'm going to be here for a long time you now have this like presence around AEW and Sting uh or at least the, for the moment. I I I've been I've watched enough Impact to know sometimes people say they'll be with a company for a long long time and it's not always like that. And the tension with Arn Anderson as well. That yes, was nice. that was nice yes, that was fun too. No, um, this was this was good. Uh, AEW knows how to use guys like Sting much better than WWE does. Uh, with the because they're not of, looking to beat him. <laughs> with the exception of Jake the Snake in whatever the hell that outfit was this week that he was in. Oh, good lord, Jake. It, okay, so you know how like college professors have tweet jackets with leather patches? Yes. Like that's what Jake the Snake's outfit looked like. Only like instead of leather patches, they were like snake patches, and they were on his They're nicotine knees. packet. Yeah, yeah, and they were on his <laughs> knees. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm here for Jake Roberts as pro- professor. Like Professor Moriarty brings a pipe, tweed jacket, pants that don't match. There for that. I, I'm into uh, Jake and Sting confrontation at some point. Spin the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> no, NXT has that. We can't do that right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, it brings back Abdullah the Butcher like the last time. I'll be, I'll be great with it too. Yeah. That's, uh, it's pretty much all I have for wrestling this week. You got anything else? Um, uh, Inner Circle. That do, that, that, that really hit you? 
Speak on it. Speak on it. I I just think it's still gone on too long, and we kind of have already gotten ahead of it, to be honest with you. I I just don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those gimmicks that is tried and true. The guy who's become part of the stable but doesn't really fit, and everybody's uneasy with him, and then eventually they're probably going to turn on Jericho still, but... I don't know, man. I, I don't. I'm, I don't. I don't think they're gonna turn on Sammy. I actually see like Jericho going like deep heel with MJF. It at least at first. I think like MJF slowly gonna blow up the inner circle um, from the inside. I like the one thing I will give them credit for on this because I didn't enjoy the ultimatum segment in general, but I like having the ultimatum coincide with MJF winning the dynamite ring again and needing the inner circle to do that so that he's exploiting the inner circle. Yeah. And so it's really, really clear that like MJF is a bad actor, that MJF's the only person who's getting anything out of this transaction and that Jericho has led the inner circle astray. But like, I find Santana to be kind of like, I don't, I don't want to be like, what's his motivation? Uh, if that sounds like so fancy pants actor, but like, I do find like, where is he coming from on this to be a little unclear? Um, and I'm with you on the Sammy stuff. It feels like Sammy should be ahead of the curve on this. And if, if he sees through MJF, he sees through MJF. Yeah. I think overall, my problem is the lack of seriousness and it's everything kind of builds to one, one liners like the, uh, the Hager uh, Wardlow. He's staring I like at the me. way he looks at me. He's staring at me. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Know, you. If, if everybody in that ring were taking this, if this, if this were like, okay, the comedy's over. This is a serious come to Jesus moment meeting of the stable. Do we continue or do we not? And it's building tension in some way. Th- then I'd be for it. But instead, it's just kind of like goofy, goofy. It, it, it's how it's how WWE would do one of these things, and that's my problem with it. Yeah, no, well, Jericho. Why is my name on the list? Boom, you know. And that Jericho was a great gets moment, away. Don't get me wrong. Jericho was able to write a lot of his stuff back during his runs in WWE. He had a lot of creative say. Eventually, like you know, he, he was very assertive in that front. So, what you saw of Jericho on WWE television was very much Jericho. And so what you're getting here um, is very much Jericho, and it's kind of the good and the bad of Jericho. A thing I'd like to see kind of coming out of this is like MJF and Jericho decide that Wardlow and Hager need to start getting along and try to make them be a tag team um, with the theory that these guys could be the super dominant tag team if only they could work together. And then that's how you set up the blow up between those two guys. I'm missing hatred in wrestling. And I want, I want someone to hate somebody in wrestling. And if it's going to be MJF, fine, let's get to it. That that's, that's, that's my promise. Yeah, I'm with you too. I, I think it, ha- it's hard to build real ire against MJF by having him sabotage a heel faction. We're enjoying the show too much is the problem. That's also true. Yeah. Like, and it's not clear if I'm supposed to like Jericho or feel sympathy for him or hate him because he's a heel. Like it, 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 they do the shades of gray stuff with Jericho and MJF and MJF. 
he's so obviously a heel. I'm not saying like in this storyline. I'm saying like in wrestling. Like this is what this mm-hmm. guy is. This guy's a heel. Um, it's stupid to do anything other than have him be a pure heel. I'd agree. We'll cut it off there. Uh, you can follow me at Crab Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. It'll just let you know when the next episode drops. If you don't been on Twitter a little bit too much, I'm on vacation right now. So I was kind of hanging out on Twitter, tweeting out every last thought. I annoyed some people. So I apologize for that. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MyBookie. Use code ROPES at MyBookie.ag. Get 50%. Back on your first deposit. That's extra money for you to bet. Uh, Chris, what do you got going on? Uh, don't worry about the government. Had one episode drop on podcast feeds here uh, Thursday, and there'll be another one that's going out on Sunday. I actually like I was behind. Then I have like rolled out the tapes. Um, writing a new one probably on uh, Chinese espionage stuff here and doing a recap of stuff that's been happening over the last couple of years on that front. So if you're interested in that, go and check out Don't Worry TV, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. All of that good stuff. And follow me at DWATG, where I'll be tweeting from exclusively starting January 1st. We will be doing our tables, ladders, and chairs preview next week. And uh, and then the week after that, we'll be having our tables, ladders, and chairs match. 